Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 5 DGS. Apologies. We're supposed to have Jim Talent here, but he is wasted on Celsius. So, uh, <laughs> hey, day drinking. Yeah, Brenda called. She's like, ooh, not a good day, Dave. Not a good day. He's they watching, love, uh, he's watching F Troop and... <laughs> F troop. <laughs> if I if I had set this brain towards good, you know, <laughs> things I could do. Uh, Wheels, there is a um, a fan survey out. Yeah, so the Katie Wu of the Athletic does this uh, at least the last co- last few years since she's been on the beat uh, with the Athletic covering the Cardinals, where they just put out um, a survey that you can sign up and take part in, you know, through the Athletic website. I think it's athletic describers. It might not be exclusive to them, but I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact is they got over 3,000 people to respond to this survey this year, That's which a pretty is a good survey result. Well, according to, to Katie in her piece, uh, and hi, Katie, she's great. She, she does a fantastic around. job. Um, I'm not sure if she can. <laughs> oh, really? It's maybe another radio obligation that she's not allowed to break. But I, we can ask. I'll text her. Um, but <clears throat> they do this every year, and last year they got half this number of responses. So they got double the responses <laughs> because because it was a terrible year, right? And look, obviously, we're not going to go through all of the things discovered in this. If you want to read it, go to the Athletic. If you you know if you're a subscriber, it's easy. If you're not, uh, I love it as a sports fan. It's, they don't pay me anything. I'm not advertising for them, but uh, I really enjoy the the stuff that they bring across sports because I follow everything and you get a little bit of everything there. Anyway, um, if you wanted to see more, you could find it there. But I, I thought it was interesting. A couple of things. That that they that were asked about people's like what do you feel about the team right now like wh- what's your general let me mood? stop you is this are the Cardinals in any way involved no okay. no this is entirely the athletic and the people that now keep in mind Thank the people you. that are answering these three thousand these are pretty these are pretty hardcore fans yeah. okay that's not your casuals if you're somebody that's subscribing to a sports specific website who's reading articles who's do you know who's getting real in deep so these I guess you would say they're your P ones. These are the people that pay attention to almost everything you do as opposed to more casual people that just want to have fun or just have always liked the team and they like the team. So I wouldn't say it's the majority of the fan base, but it's a large percentage of the fan base that are the diehards follow everything. Um, And just keep that in mind, though, when you're listening to some of the stuff because that's who you're speaking to, right? You're not speaking to you know, Joe Cardinal fan in the middle of Arkansas who wants to come up for a trip a couple times a year, who's going to do it good or bad because they want the experience. Um, these are the diehards. So 
as you would expect if you go through and look at the questions like, what, how, what was your level of disappointment about last year? It's going to be high, right? I mean, like two-thirds of the people are either really disappointed or a little disappointed, but, but, but heavily weighted toward the never been more disappointed, mm. which is, keep in mind, in their lifetime, maybe true. That, that's exactly right. The Cardinals have not had a year that bad in 30 years. Good news, bad news. So if you're looking at a 30-year-old fan or even a 40-year-old fan, the last time they had a year like that, you were 10. How well do you remember it? How big of a deal was it? When you're 10, you're watching all kinds of things. You're not, they don't impact you as much. So there are fans. And if you're in your 20s, you've never seen it. So when you're again, when you're thinking about the people that are subscribed to a really hardcore sports news website... It probably skews a little younger would be yeah. my guess. Not totally, but even if you're me, the last time the Cardinals were this bad was when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a long time ago for someone who's 52. So, yeah, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense when you could say, how disappointed were you? And part of that is you were supposed to be good last year. It wasn't supposed to be a down year, right? You came off winning the division the year before. Disappointment's always relative. So you go back 30 years ago, if you if people think you're going to win 85 and you and you win 79, okay, it's not only like that big of a disappointment. But if you're supposed to be the division leader and you finish last, that's a massive disappointment. So that that part doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and there are a lot of great detailed questions that go into like what was the biggest problem? How do you feel about the state of the franchise? Let's, let's jump ahead to people not liking Marmel. Yeah, well, <laughs> here's the interesting part. They they went through and 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 like he's my hamburger and and graded. <laughs> Uh, each of the big, you know, like the Bill DeWitt Jr., John Moselle, like, like, how do you feel about their performance at, during their time running the Cardinals? And interestingly, for both DeWitt and Moselock, it's more positive than negative because it's including all the good stuff from the past. Mm-hmm. Now, when you start to focus more on the shorter term, well, then nobody's really happy with the current job that they've done. And it's uh, like when, when you look at the, how confident are you in ownership um, it's like 40% that are not confident or not confident at all. Uh, 42% something, which is a pretty big number. When you say that about like Mo and the baseball ops, it's similar. It's about 50% are not confident or not confident at all, which is a, a large percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's 20 that are unsure. So not very many that are in the, oh, we're we confident that they'll get it done. And then the same thing kind of came down when they when you asked when they asked about Ali Marmol, um, almost nobody said he had done an excellent job. Almost nobody said he was above average. So average was pretty solid, like thirty three percent of people. But it was almost sixty percent that were below average or poor, grading him, which I find interesting because also in this, when people were laying the blame for last year, almost all of the focus was on problems with the roster. Mm-hmm. Well, if the problem is the roster, then it really isn't the manager. And if the problem is the manager, then it's not the roster, right? Like if your biggest complaint about the way things were put together, the the two biggest things that got the most complaints were the pitching staff and the total roster construction. Let me push back a little bit, though. Um, and, of course, Ali Marmel and I have this feud going on that he has no idea <laughs> that I even exist. Uh, but but for real, when you see a team that plays 162 games, they're playing almost, you know, half the year or whatever it is, game after game after game after game after game, and you have systemic underperformance. 
if I had no idea who the coach was, if it was Tony La Russa or if it was, you know, didn't matter. If you tell me that, I'm going to say at least, I don't want to say primary, but a big part of it has to be, and I don't mean like the buck stops with me. You did, I'm the coach and it's my responsibility. I mean fault. Like you're doing something or not doing something right or wrong. You feel me? I just don't know that it's possible that a team like the Cardinals can underperform that badly that long while being coached really, really well. I could not disagree more. You're, if, you're, if you're a professional baseball player... Then why have a then why have a manager? Because somebody has to write the lineup card out. I mean, I'll like, do it. like as an example, Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time in football. But the minute Tom Brady left, they sucked. Does that mean he forgot how to coach, or he wasn't good at it, or does it mean he just didn't have enough good players, so or didn't so, have the one player so that made the difference? Aside, then you're really denigrating is the wrong word, but you're really minimizing the impact that a manager has, good or bad. Yeah, absolutely. Because what I mean, the way the way it's looked upon by people who manage. And I'm talking about guys that retired, like the the greats, the the guys like Sparky Anderson and and Whitey Herzog and the guy like the previous generation, Earl Weaver. They're all they've all said kind of the same thing. Like a manager might impact like with their decisions five to ten games a year at maximum. How about not decisions? Because I look more at not decisions, and that's probably same because thing. I don't understand decisions. When yeah. Marmel takes someone out in the eighth inning and people say he shouldn't have, I don't really understand what they're talking about. But just the overall vibe, the overall energy, the overall work ethic, you still think, and, and now we're not talking just Cardinals, you think overall still that is an over- uh, exaggerated, yes. overestimated effect. I, I don't need... That's really interesting. I don't need someone who's above me as a boss or a supervisor to be good for me to do my my work well. It's not going to change how hard I work or what I do. Um, and a professional athlete controls those things. A coach and a manager, they, they just don't. There are times you might tell a player that you want to do a certain thing and they just don't want to do it. That's not on the manager or the coach. There's only so much you can do. And I think we give managers and coaches too much credit. I would love and to. And I think we give them too much blame. If there's anyone out there who wants to, to comment on, on this in particular, yeah, yeah, yeah. it can either be overall, give us your own uh, feelings about the Cardinals as if you were taking that survey. And specifically what Wheels is saying here, that uh, the role of the manager is a bit uh, exaggerated, good or bad. 314-436-7900-895-1120. That I can live with. Yeah. That yeah. I can live. With. I think, and, and again, so in 2022, same manager, you win the division, you win 91 games. The next year, you don't. What changed? Did the manager start doing things completely differently across the board, or did the players not perform? And I think that performance is also going to fluctuate, right? So when you look at the things that went wrong last year, two of your guys that are very, I mean, Nolan Arenado is a lock Hall of Famer. Goldschmidt is on the borderline where people are going to be able to make an argument for him if he has a few more healthy seasons. They both had really down years by their standards. That's not the manager's fault. And Adam Wainwright just got old. He went from a really good starter in 2022 with like a 3-4 earned run average, very good starter, to complete gas can. And I'm sorry that's an insult. I hate to say it that way. But when your ERA is 7, you're a gas can. And that just means it blows up, explodes a lot. So that wasn't that that didn't Adam Wainwright didn't turn that way because of the pitching coach or the manager. 
So I can't, if those things are happening, if, if Nolan Arenado being great is not to the credit of the person managing him or his hitting coach, well, then it's not their fault when he's not. And I've seen too many examples over my life covering sports of coaches and players. Like there's no such thing as a great coach who didn't have great players. Doesn't exist. Name the greatest coaches in football history. Vince Lombardi had Hall of Famers all around him. Now, maybe to his credit, he was also the guy in charge of getting them, which is a different thing entirely, which is why we're talking about that balance between front office and and manager. We can't have an idea of how good a manager is in two years. Tony La Russa got fired by the White Sox because he wasn't good enough. What happened after that? You know, everything you're saying makes sense to me. I'm persuaded. But I will lay some blame at the foot of all of them, non-players, in that debacle that they allowed to happen. Absolutely. With Contreras. 100%. And that, to me, was very bad managing, very bad ownership. 100%. They should have nipped that in the bud. Yeah. They should have made them act like grown-ups. Yep. And they didn't. Yep. And we suffered. Yes. And I'll put that on some of the veteran players, too. I would put it on any one of the veteran players. They should have come out at that moment and said, this is not on Wilson. He should not be removed from that, but they didn't. And that, and I don't think the manager should have gone for it. I don't think that Mo should have allowed it. Um, I don't think it rose to the ownership level as far as a decision, but nobody involved should have allowed that to happen the way that it did. But what it was, was desperation because they've never been in that position before where they were that bad and things were going terribly. So rather than simply accepting that your whole pitching staff is performing poorly, they tried to find a way to make it so that that wasn't the case. And then we found out pretty quick that had nothing to do with anything. And I would agree with you completely. That was botched. And I talked to people all around Major League Baseball. And every one of them texted me when that happened and said, what are they doing? And I'm talking about people that work for teams who work at national media outlets, texting people I know, texting me going, what are they doing? Why are they letting this happen? How big of an effect do you think that could have had? Realistically, Um, you mean uh, which last year? Like what? What? How bad of an effect do you think it really did have? Uh, All of it. The 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 year or that particular part? Yes, that particular part. What effect did it have on the year? Did it make it much much more difficult to get the momentum going again? Good question. I have a I have a slightly different angle. I think that was more revelatory than it was a cause of anything. I think it revealed fractures. It revealed weakness. Uh, not enough talent to do what you wanted to do. And then people who had not been in these positions before dealing with something that they didn't know how to deal with. Because you haven't you never done it. Some managers, some coaches, some front offices have had bad seasons like that many, many times. And they're like, okay, well, you know, this is what this is and this is how you do it. They were still trying to get back to what they had hoped for and didn't know, in my opinion, did not know what this was like when you're struggling yeah. this badly for this long and being in that position. And I think that revealed a lot about what the flaws of the team were, both on the field and in terms of communication and things going on. I don't know that that was the cause, but I, it definitely was a window into what was wrong. 225 DGS. So I know this is Cam Wax, the voice of St. Louis. I've lived here my whole life. I'm a fan. But sometimes you have to be realistic. Am I right? Nothing gets better by lying. Uh, Wheels, you get off on 14th Street usually, right? Uh, yes. 40? Yeah. Every day, yeah. Uh, did you notice that the light was stuck on red the yep. entire time? Yep. 
Yeah. I noticed because I had to go through it. Yes. And uh, so I pull up, and there are about 20 vehicles. Yep. Now, look, this happens. It It's electronics. It happens. But I probably got here, what time did you get here-ish? Oh, I walked in the door at 11. Okay. So I got here about 10, 15. So it was going on that whole time. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. at least 45 minutes. And it was probably before you got yes, there. Yeah. Because there were 20 cars. Yeah. And was the homeless person directing traffic when you got there? <laughs> no. There it was when I got it. there. Oh, there no. was a homeless person out there doing the whole Megillah. Oh, no. And I just thought to myself, in another city, how long would this go on? Across the river in Belleville, a medium, small town. I can't imagine that if a traffic light went out and a homeless person was in the middle of the road directing traffic, that would go on longer than five minutes. I can't imagine in a big city like, say, Chicago, that it would go on any longer than five or ten minutes. I don't know what it is about St. Louis, whether it's the size or the leadership or the we've given up or what it is. But for 45 minutes that we can track, there was a light out. And at least while I was there, homeless people directing traffic. So in in normal circumstances, who would you think would get the first call on something That's like that? That's a great question. It would be the Probably police. Probably the cops, yeah, 911. Yeah, yeah. Well, there how, you go. How many, how many police officers were even on duty at that time in the, in, in the downtown district? One? one or maybe maybe two or three at the most with a lot of other things going on? I mean, how are you supposed to get things taken care of when the people that would respond first just aren't on the job? And I'm sure most, because I'm assuming neither of you called about it, right? No, I didn't. I'm I'm assuming the average person is just going another day in the good old <laughs> STL, and they just keep on driving. Like I doubt there's that many people reporting incidents like this. Yeah. Like the the front of the car that was on the ramp. Is that still there? Talked about no, Dave. day oh. four. It was gone. Okay. <laughs> oh, I think four people are just like, oh, I got to remember to not hit that car, and they just keep on going with their day. Yeah, I mean that's not like the busiest intersection downtown, but it's pretty busy. Highway exit right there, the bus station's right there, hotel right there. Hmm. Homeless crossing guard. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back on his 
WGS on Camelwax. Happy Monday to you. Good day. Good show so far. I get to see one of my good friends here. In studio, we have Randy Knowles, who a lot of you know from being in charge of the sound at The Pageant. Uh, if you've been to a show at The Pageant, you've seen Randy. Uh, he's about nine feet tall, and he's right in the middle. And uh, I, 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 good to see you, by the way, it's my good brother. good to see you. Um, Funny story. I think you kind of know the basics of this, but you don't know the whole story. So about a year ago, uh, it was it was during the winter. Uh, my daughter Phoebe and one of her friends went to see Noah Khan. Is that his name? Is that how you say his name? Somebody. Sure. She went to see somebody. <laughs> and I'm trying to be a big deal for my daughter because I'm insecure and codependent. And I'm like, uh, look, if you have any trouble at all. My buddy Randy, he runs the whole show in there. So you just, you do, they're like, okay, dad. I'm like, he's really big guy. He's got a beard, long hair. Just how are you going to know it's him? Anything at all, fire. You know, you, you go to Randy and they're like, yeah, dad, okay. <laughs> and you were walking on the street. You had gone to get yourself something to eat. Right. And I go, that's him right there. <laughs> and Phoebe's friend goes like, I could hear him go, is that really him? She's like, you never know. Like, <laughs> my dad's always saying he knows people he doesn't or something like that. And I'm like, I swear to God, that's my friend Randy, damn it. So that was really funny. The other thing um, about Randy is he is a motorcycle brother and uh, has put on the cycle show now how many years? This is the... 11th year. We've done nine in 11 years. Well, congratulations on the weather this weekend. Oh, yes. That's going to be you've awesome. Had some, you've had some rough ones. Yeah. And and the show is is all indoors now because I've been bitten by the weather bug yep. here in the in the Midwest for years. So yep. uh, uh, a few years ago, this sports team we had in town moved out, and I said, I've got an alternative for that weekend. Mm-hmm. Let's do a motorcycle show. It's all indoors. And uh, and this weekend, uh, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And you're in a new location, which is? The new location this year is the Moto Museum. Oh, it's great. Which is uh, on Locust, 3408 Locust downtown in the Midtown area. Yeah, there, right by the Fox. Thrill, Moto Europa, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Right there by the Fox and the Big Top and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, if you get down around there anywhere, you'll see signs and, yeah. and people. So, so for, for people who have been, they'll go again. You just got to remind them. For people who have never been, uh, let's start with motorcycle people. So, so people out there listening, you're a motorcycle uh, man or woman. Intrigue them to come out this weekend. What else are you doing on a motorcycle this weekend? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> this is kind of the kickoff event for the year for bike folks. This is what I hear. Um, I bring in 50 bikes from all over the world this year, not Literally. just North America. Yeah, we we'll, might talk yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I bring in 50 bikes from all over the world, and... Uh, there's something for everybody, custom stuff, um, race stuff, vintage stuff, unique stuff. Maybe you wouldn't say oddities, what mm-hmm. have you, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of custom stuff, but what's really cool. And what's caught on the last few years are unveilings. Um, and two years ago, we started doing unveilings for bikes that had never been seen before. Brand new builds or brand new restorations or something cool and unique. That's never been out in public before. Um, if you choose to bring it to St. Louis, and uh, show it here for the first time. We do an unveiling. We kind of we cover it with a t- with a sheet, and mm-hmm. we bring all the lights in, and 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 crank up the sound, and we'll get up and we'll talk a little bit That's about cool. it, and we'll lift the sheet off, and the crowd cheers, and it's <laughs> it's fun for a builder. That's fun. Uh, a few years ago, we did this for the first time. We did uh, uh, eight bikes the first year. Last year, we did twenty one. This year, we're up to thirty four nice. bikes. Nice. 34 of the 50 bikes are unveilings. That's it's, so cool. That's It's really cool. So this is becoming at least regional, if not national. I know that you have some international yeah. um, interest as well. If, for the last three or four years, we've got bikes coming from both coasts and, and Canada. Uh, this year, we're lucky enough that the guy that was crowned King of Sturgis, <laughs> a guy named Ko Sakaguchi, uh-huh. uh, 
He uh, he swept every show in Sturgis with his amazing builds, and uh, I met him out there at Sturgis's last year, and I, and I said, hey, I do this event in St. Louis. He researched it a little bit and said, this looks like a really neat uh, event to attend, and it's worthy. That's cool. So he's bringing a couple bikes over nice. from, from Japan. What kind of work does Co do? What kind of bikes? Um, well, I, I've, I've tried to describe this to people, the discipline and the uh, patience that, that they do would put into maybe a katana sword um, was done to every single piece of this bike. Yikes. Uh, bikes. That's He's bringing expensive. Two. <laughs> yes, I'm sure they are. I, I can't imagine even. I'd like a little what, less care. Right. Um, hand makes everything. Everything is polished. It's not chrome. It's polished. Wow. Um, and the work is just stunning. Yeah. Uh, you know. What are your favorite bikes? You look like a well, Harley guy. I am. Yeah. I, I've got a few of those. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up on dirt bikes. Oh boy, wasn't um, that great? Um, we are, you know what? We're the generation of the mini bike and the ten speed. The mini bike without a helmet and the go kart. <laughs> I've never had one on. I know. <laughs> I mean, by, motorcycles right. I have for yeah. sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Riding a mini bike as a kid, we were did, there was no helmets. We took yeah. off and yeah. And you learned how to fall. Devil may care. <laughs> we learned how to fall. And maybe why I do what I do. Maybe at this point, the things you could have um, achieved, right? Uh, um, yeah, you know, I, I a mini bike when I was a kid, and then you know, a street bike. I think a Suzuki was my was my first street bike uh, when I was old enough to afford one. I couldn't afford a Harley at that time, but uh, yeah. over the years, I've graduated towards the Harley Davidson brand. Yeah, but I'll tell you this: uh, there's nothing like the sound of a Ducati yeah, firing up. <laughs> oh, I know. My, oh my goodness, those Italian race bikes are amazing. Uh, I used to do live for Steve Smith over at Moto Europa, and they would put me on whatever I wanted. Yeah. And I'm stupid, as you know. And I'd be like, put me on a Panigale. And those things go 90 miles an hour in second gear. They're terrifying. Yes. What yeah. are you drawn to that you probably would never actually ride? Um. Oh, I would ride anything. Um, chopper. See, I'm a little afraid of choppers. Okay. They I, just feel a little choppery. Okay. <laughs> I've got, I got a few of those. i got a few of those. So um, I'm, I'm not afraid of that. I don't know. I I don't I don't know if there's anything I wouldn't try throwing a leg over. Yeah. You know. For and now we we talked about people who are into motorcycles, people who are not. Yeah. What can we do to intrigue them to come down just for the spectacle? This is who I do the show for. Oh. Non-motorcycle people. The motorcycle people are going to show up. You bike guys, you're going to be there. You can't miss this. It's amazing. It's the non-motorcycle people that I hear time and time again as like I brought my grandmother uh, uh, for a weekend, uh, and she uh, loved it. Or I brought my kids, and they put the tablet down for a couple hours, <laughs> and their eyes were wide open. Yeah, take um, a twelve-year-old kid. Exactly. Watch him freak exactly. out. Um, this is a uh, Valentine's weekend. Bring a Valentine. Um, you know, I I do the show, and the way I build the show and curate the show, I do it so anybody can enjoy it. Not just motor. It's not just for motorcycle people. I put a piece of paper underneath each bike. And each bike sits on a riser on its own platform, and you can walk all the way around each one. And on this piece of paper underneath each bike, I describe what makes it unique, what makes it special, where is it from, who built it, how long is it, all the things. So anybody can show up, and they don't feel alienated. They don't feel intimidated. That's so uh, important. Yeah. Uh, for because, you know, there's so many things like this that niche things that people are into that it seems that the people into it want to make you feel like you're outside. Sure. But but one thing, I've I've met some a holes who ride motorcycles, but very few. If if you're on two wheels, I don't care whether it's a Suzuki, a Yamaha, a Harley, a BMW, 
We're all doing the same thing. We're all doing the same thing, and yeah. we all uh, yeah, you help help another brother. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Four hands, our friends at Four Hands are going to be helping out as well. Yeah, they've been on board since day one, uh, eleven years ago. Uh, they came on board, and each year uh, the show gets bigger, and 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 we get more uh, positive feedback about it. And Four Hands, the last couple of years, actually, this year the second year that they're making a can for Cycle Showcase. We're going to unveil cool. that on Friday night at a little pre-party at Del Mar Hall. Those are good but, guys. Uh, yeah, the forehand guys uh, uh, are always looking out and and really support the art and the craftsmanship and and what goes on here at Cycle Showcase. So from Saturday, uh, Saturday, which both days this weekend, we'll talk to Dave Murray an hour from now, but it looks nice. Yeah, sunny in the fifties. No issues at all. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. 12.50 uh, gets you a wristband for both days. Kids 12 and under are free. Tickets are at the door. So we're going to make it kids 15 and under. Hey, nice. If you don't have a, if you don't have a driver's license yet, come on down with your parent. Kids with the uh, escorted by a parent. Very nice, course. Andrew. You could probably qualify that if you dress like that. <laughs> um, and it's uh, cycleshowcasestl.com. Very nice. Good to see you, my friend. It's great to be here. Thank, Thank you, you, Randy. Saw something weird on TikTok last night. Not of the ordinary to see something weird. Uh, and I looked into it enough just to make sure that it was real, just because I didn't want to talk about it on the show if it wasn't. But it was a, a couple uh, who are first cousins and want to get married and saying, you know this? I, I saw them on TikTok. What did you think? I didn't watch them. I was. They were like, "We're cousins. We want to get married. We're here to answer any questions." And I just, okay. I just scrolled right. Yeah, I was like, yeah, "I'll see you." <laughs> I was like, "Not interested." Show me a prank video. Well, I had, I had searched it, so that's right. why I was well, no, yeah. kidding. So now you're gonna get nothing but <laughs> no, cousins wanting to get married. They're making the point that this isn't you know 15th century England anymore, and you know we're it's totally fine and blah 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 blah. And well, the way I grew up, it was just like. Oh, my God. Yeah, I yeah. think because it's not 15th century England anymore is yeah, why we're not like doing that. That's more of an argument on our side. Look, our I just, side. I, I, look I'm, sure you're, I'm sure your cousin's great. Don't, just don't I'm marry sure him. I'm sure your cousin's yeah. great. Just don't marry your cousin. I don't, I don't even have a better argument. Just don't do it. I'm not going to dox this person. And, Andrew, you don't dox them either. But we were in a group text recently with someone who was talking about how you barely share DNA with your cousins. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's a weird thing to. I was not on this text thread. I just want to be clear. <laughs> it, it seemed like a pro-cousin marrying give argument. give a context of why the person would say that? Mm, because they said someone looked like a cousin but it's like you in and, and andrew was like you think cousins look al- uh, i don't know i'm confused yeah i was like i don't <laughs> you think cousins have to look alike and he was like well you actually don't even share any dna uh with your cousins mm. so it's like interesting you know and i'm like well you yeah. did you guys see <laughs> it was Sorry. like very into <laughs> will you tell me on the break it yeah. is okay. <laughs> i don't want to because you're gonna say i won't say it here okay <laughs> i mean you know, you're gonna want to. <laughs> Have you guys seen the new Peanut special? Uh-uh. The what? Peanut special? No. It is about Franklin, the African American okay. child mm-hmm. who was seated by himself uh, on the picnic table at Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, that's going to be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see how that is played. Oh, so is it about the Thanksgiving episode? No, no, no. It's just it's just about Franklin. Okay. And him, uh, his backstory, 
and coming to Peanuts Land. Did we ever find out where they lived? Hartford, <laughs> Illinois, maybe? I think it's Hartford, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So uh, but they'll probably cover the Thanksgiving since that's his most famous uh, uh, episode scene. But I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Who's, Franklin gets his due after all these years. It? Do we know? Who's what? Who's making it? Who's making it? Uh, yeah. I don't like, know. Do we know? Is it like... Whoever makes peanuts. Whoever okay. owns that now. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever makes peanuts. <laughs> anyway, Sorry, that might I don't, have been that sounded funny. Anyway, he should marry you for his cousin. Yeah, I don't think you should yeah. marry your cousin. Yeah, just, just yeah, don't, don't do and, it. And good luck to Franklin. There's like, how, how many we have now? Uh, are we at 8 billion yet, or are we still in the 7 billion range? No, we're at 8. Yeah, 8 billion people. Don't there's, marry your cousin. There's plenty of fish in the sea that aren't your cousin. Yeah, I think you got a lot of choices <laughs> out there. That's where I always, and this pisses people off. I mean, there have been I times, mean, first cousin. If it's like 17th cousins, right. whatever. Yeah, I don't care at Times point. in my life. Well, even then. <laughs> when I've, I guess, believed in soulmates, but then you kind of grow up and you're like, hmm. And it always cracks me up. I'm like, because someone will say that to you, like, oh, one in eight billion, my soulmate. And I'm like, wow, amazing that she was working at the, sub- the same Subway sandwich as you. Mm. You know, like, she could have been born in. Uh... And your parents are sisters. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just, just don't do it for how weird it would be for your parents. That's a good yeah. point, too. Like, consider the family a little bit. Yeah. I will, I, like, I'll say, I feel so strongly about this. My, so my step-grandmother, so we have no blood relation. She's my step-grandmother. Don't marry her. Is, <laughs> is related to Megan's, my wife's grandma. And even then, like, there's no blood relation. It's a step-grandmother situation. And even then, I'm like, ooh, I feel weird about yeah. this. What are, the, are their grandmas going to do? They're related to, like, somewhat distantly that related to. bothers each. you? And it, yeah, it bothers me because it feels like I mean, my well, wife they're and not I are dating. Related. Kissing cousins. At no, the, but it's my. I feel it makes me feel like my wife and I are related, even though too close. Listen, if you go back far enough, we're all related. That's true. Like, like I mean, like no, what's, what's I was no, no, say, like, seriously, no, 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 it's not. I'm saying at that <laughs> sounds like di- something you say to your first cousin. What I'm saying <laughs> is at that distance, it's not even a thing because everybody is related at that distance. Yeah. The further yeah. back you go. I mean, what even does the word cousin mean? I yeah. Mean. <laughs> what was it? What's the, uh, do you remember the, 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 I can't remember if it's a factoid or a stat, like how many people are related to the British royal family? Mm. Because, like, and there's all these famous people that are not, they're not, I mean, they could be American, they could be citizens of any other country, but because the British royal family spread out so far for so many years, uh, like everybody's somehow the related. Crown. The Genghis Khan thing, too, like, wasn't it like 30% of the world has Genghis Khan DNA? I'd like to think I do. I, I'm going to look that <laughs> That's up. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. It might not be that much, but a lot. If you give me the choice, I'm going Genghis Khan over... Uh, am, am I the only one who's like Charles. really... I'm really reluctant to do like a 23 in me something because I just don't want the results to come back super lame. Oh, what would yeah. be lame? Uh, yeah. Nothing would be lame, but you know, you're like... Ho- like I always like I'm I have Czechoslovakian. Yeah. I, I'm always like worried that's going to come back like super weak and it's just like... Yeah, plain. Mine was very different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mine was about what I would have expected, but it keeps changing. Why does it change though? Well, I mean, at first I it was like more people sending in DNA and updating. You, yeah. you, you look like you should be on the wall of a third grade classroom. Yeah, I mean, I should be a leprechaun. Um, but I, at first, when it came back, I was not mostly Irish. I was more English than Irish. Hmm. Lately, it's been more Irish than English. It's weird how it changes. Yeah, yeah. And then there's some other, you know, did things you get, in there. Get contacted by anybody? No. Hey, I just found out I'm your cousin, XYZ. <laughs> no, not like that. We should, oh, we by should the way, hang out. By the way, as of 20 years ago, 16 million men alive had Genghis Khan's DNA. All right. 
in my That's not quite 30%. That's a lot smaller number. So we're all cousins, if you think about it. That's not what I said. (laughs) said if you go back too far, we're all related. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.